Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Searcy podcast. If you'd like to get connected to what God is doing at the Searcy campus, you can text the word Searcy to 88000. There you can give online, get connected to a life group, find your place in a serve team, and so much more. You can also find today's message notes in the YouVersion Bible app. Just tap the link in the episode description to follow along during the sermon and save notes directly to your phone. Now prepare your hearts to hear a great word from God today. All right. Well, we are continuing a series on the book of Matthew. And so right away, you can go to the book of Matthew. Uh, This is a summer-long series for us. Uh, Last week, uh, if you were here and got to hear Nate King bring the message, uh, can we give it up for him one more time? Just a great word last week. I want to welcome everybody watching online. Good morning. Uh, I'm sure you're on your three-day weekend holiday somewhere. Uh, Kevin uh, will be back next week. He's still on vacation this week, uh, taking a break. Um, And, you know, last week Nate King was here. If you don't know, during the summer, we rotate pastors a lot. We have 18 campuses, and it's always great to hear from different voices within our church. And so during the summertime, we like to kind of rotate people around. So, uh, you know, we not always be on vacation. Sometimes we're hanging out at different campuses and speaking there. But he will be back next week. We're excited for that. You may have noticed uh, Dave and Aaron not here this week. Uh, last night, uh, Connor uh, had a little bike accident and broke his wrist and is having surgery this morning. Uh, it was a pretty bad break. And so uh, just in your quiet time, your prayers this week, just be uh, praying for him. Quick recovery. Uh, we love Connor and just want him to be uh, back as good as new, maybe with a little extra hardware on his wrist uh, this week. So, uh, but like I said, we're continuing a series called Good News, and we're looking at the book of Matthew, uh, the first gospel uh, in the New Testament. And the gospel just simply stands for good news. This was the story of Jesus and what he did, what he brought to humanity when he came down uh, to earth. And so a big part of the book of Matthew are parables. Um, There are a lot of parables that can be found in the book of Matthew, second only to Luke. Luke had 24 parables. Matthew has 23 parables. We're going to look at one of those this morning uh, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. Um, And if you're not familiar with what a parable is, it's just simply a story. Uh, It's an illustration that Jesus would tell that may, you know, it's rooted in uh, culture, not necessarily in scripture. And he would use those to kind of help get his point across. We do this all the time in modern uh, teaching. We'll use examples and stories from our own life and illustrations to help get a point across. And that's what Jesus is doing here. So today we're going to dig into the parable of the talents, uh, if you know what that is. And so if you got a Bible app, You can go with me, Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 is where we're going to start. Now, I need you to bear with me because we're going to read the whole thing. It's about 16 verses. I know that's a little long, so don't get glazed donuts in the eyes quite yet. Uh, Just kind of bear with me. I'm going to do my best to kind of get through it, and then we'll we'll teach about it, okay? Um, So here we go, Uh, Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Uh, Now, pause real quick. The word entrusted there uh, in Greek means to put in one's hand. So to literally hand off and say, you are responsible for this. This was not uncommon at this point in history. Um, Obviously, they didn't have like the Robin Hood app that they could put all their money in and just let it work for them or have other people. So they would actually have their servants and stuff, these super wealthy people, would give them money and say, hey, well, I'm gone on this trip. You're going to make my money work for me, okay? Take care of it for me. 
So we move on. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Now, again, diving a little bit deeper, uh, ability there in the, in the Greek is, uh, I'm going to say this right, dunamis, all right? And it just simply means uh, strength or potential. So this servant knew, or the, the master knew who his servants were. He knew them well enough to know that their, their character their uh, potential, what they could do with this. And so he gave each of them something according to their potential. Uh, you give the one with the lowest risk the, more, the most money and so on and so forth. So he understood the servants. This is very important. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags gained two more, but the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who received five bags brought the other five. Master, you entrusted me with five. See, I have gained five more. He doubled it. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Verse 22, the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, you entrusted me with two. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servants. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Come share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man. This, this dude was different. I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown, gathering where you haven't scattered seeds. So I was afraid. I went out. I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. So he didn't lose the money, but he didn't multiply it. He didn't add to it. So here is what you left me. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, it would have received back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who now has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. If you like having message titles in your notes, you can call this one, What Are You Going to Do With It? What are you going to do with it? Let me pray real quick. God, we love you so much. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in this place this morning, what you've already done. God, bless this message. God, we also pray for our friends at Fellowship Bible Church. You should bless that church and what they're doing in this community, uh, reaching this, this city for Jesus. God, bless their services today as well. We love you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So this is called the parable of the talents, and the reason why, it's, it's not talking about like, you know, your physical gifts, the talent to play guitar or something like that. Uh, a talent was a Greek word that they kind of used instead of bag. It was a unit of, of weight measurement that way. Uh, it was about, a lot of the research I've seen says it's about 57 pounds today. So about 57 pounds worth of gold or silver um, and at that time would equal, equal about 20 years worth of wages. So 20 years. So this, this master was obviously wealthy, and he had a lot of trust in these three servants 
to give them that much money. Let me break it down to you because it's hard for us to think about what that would have been back then. So let me give you some modern day numbers. Um, the average single income in the United States is about $76,563, okay? And if you're like me, you're going, that's the average? Okay, I didn't know. Uh, multiply that by 20 years, you get $1.53 million per talent, okay? Now, Meaning one man got 1.5 million, one man got about 3 million, and the other got about 15 million. Come on, can you guys put your hands together for me doing math? If you know me, that's a big deal, okay? Seriously, you should put your hands together because that's like a big, I had to take a nap after I did that math, okay? Um, Y'all are not impressed with easy math, I can tell, that's okay. Uh, This parable, though, it's not really talking necessarily about finances. Jesus, I think, is using this as an example because finances is something that we kind of all have to know about and we get invested in in one way or another. But he's talking about faithfulness. He's talking about using whatever it is that we have been given and have and use it for something bigger than us. The purpose in the parable is saying that God is giving each of us something. Now, what are you going to do with it? Prior to this, Jesus had been talking and and predicting and telling disciples and and other people about his death. He was not shy about it at this point. He was telling people. He was prophesying or he was predicting. He was telling them how it was going to happen. And sometimes he'd be sneaky and use some different code words and stuff like that. Sometimes he'd just straight up tell them, hey, this is going to happen this way. And so I don't think it's a, a coincidence or by chance that Jesus is kind of using this parable to tell a lot of people, when I'm gone, you're going to be given something. And what are you going to do with it? So what can we learn from this parable about the things that we have been given, all right? Let me give you three things, and I've got some sub-points in there too, so leave some space if you're a note-taker in a journal. I'm going to give you some sub-points in here as well. The first thing is this. You already have it. So what, what God wants to give you, you already have. Like, it's already been given to you. When you have a relationship with Jesus, when you said that prayer, when you made that decision, when your life changed, you are automatically given something by God to do something with. We start walking with Jesus and we make him Lord. He deposits valuable things into our lives. Purpose, callings, dreams, passions. And some of those things may have already been inside you, but that relationship with Jesus activated it. And now you feel it more than ever. We have to identify these things, what God has given us, what he has put inside of us. And he gives us a lot. And if you need proof about it, Scripture tells us a lot of stuff that he gives us. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above. So if there's stuff that's going good in your life, if there are things that that, uh, you've got passions and it's it's productive, that's coming from God. James 1, 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. It'll be given to you. So, If we want wisdom, if we need wisdom, if we're lacking wisdom, all we have to do is ask God and he will give us wisdom. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but these are things God gives us, power, love, and self-control. Romans chapter 12, 6 through 9 says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So all these gifts that we have been given by God, we are required to use them. Then he lists a whole bunch Prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, generosity, leadership, cheerfulness. The list is growing. 
Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, list off the fruit of the Spirit. It's where my real life students at. Come on. We are, we're doing fruit of the Spirit all summer. I think Kid Life's doing it too. Like we're talking about these are the things that when we have that seed of the Holy Spirit planted in our life, this is the fruit that comes out of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31 talks about spiritual gifts. There's a whole laundry list of spiritual gifts that are given to us from God. God has given you things and it's already inside of you. We just have to recognize what he has put in us. These three servants were all entrusted with something, and like us, they were all given something different. For some of you, maybe you just got to know, just got to a relationship with Jesus. You're fairly new to this whole Jesus thing, and you're still trying to figure out what church looks like and, and how to have a relationship with Jesus outside these four walls. For some of you, you've been in church longer than a lot of people in this room may have been alive. You've been in church for decades. You've had a relationship with Jesus that's grown and grown and grown over the years. And for you, what God is giving you looks different. Maybe he's giving you a little bit more because you've been faithful with it over time. Different amounts, different sizes. And it was up to them how they would use it. You notice that this master said, go and do something with it. He didn't give them instruction an instruction book and said, you have to do this or that. Each of them, it was up to them. Big endings always start with small beginnings. Each one of them had a gift. Their job was to do something with it and multiply it. All started out with different amounts, but they're all smaller than what they should be intended for. There's a story of a man by the name of Richard Montanez, and some of you may recognize that name. A lot of you probably don't. He was a first-generation Mexican immigrant, his family, uh, his mother, father, grandfather, and 11 children lived in a one-room cinder block house. They didn't know any English. First day of school, Southern California, uh, Richard went to an all-white school in, in, in SoCal. So obviously a little bit out of place in this situation, in this scenario. One day in class, the teacher went around the room asking each kid to name his or her dream job. So you had some people saying, I want to be a doctor. And one person saying, I want to be an astronaut. And this person saying, I want to be this and that. Firefighter, veterinarian, they're going down the list, the popular ones. When she called on Montanez, he froze. He said, I didn't realize I had a dream job. And so he dropped out of school shortly after that. He went to work with his family picking grapes. 18 years old, he heard about a job as a janitor at a factory. After he got the job, his grandfather gave him one piece of advice. Make sure that that floor shines. And he told his grandson, let them know that a Montanez mopped it. Make sure it shines and let them know that you're the one that did it. And he, made, he said from that day on that he wanted to be the best janitor that that factory had ever had. So 10 years later, the same company he works for starts to fall on hard times. Their, their, their value starts to go down and they're trying to figure out. The CEO sent out a press release to, or not a press release, but a release, a memo to all the workers, every single employee for the company. And he said, act like an owner. Act like an owner. We want you to have input. We want you to have ownership over this company. We want you to be invested in this thing. Start acting like an owner. A lot of people kind of brush it off as boss speak, right? Like, okay, act like an owner. It's a slogan. But Montanez took it to heart. And this man realized that the company didn't have any products that catered and reached Latino community. So he had an idea. He called the C a janitor, calls the CEO of this company, 
and requests a meeting. And because Montanez was a faithful employee, because he cleaned floors so well, because he was always attentive, always respectful, always doing the little things, he got that meeting. The next year, Flamin' Hot Cheetos hit the market, okay? Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Come on, if you love Flamin' Hot, can we put our hands together for the deliciousness that is Flamin' Hot? Some of y'all have not had them, and it shows, okay? Flamin' Hot. Now you cannot go to a grocery store without seeing Flamin' Hot everything. They made Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew a couple years ago. Like, what in the world? Flamin' Hot. All because this kid who had nothing got a job that for a lot of people may have meant nothing, but he did it faithfully. He took what he had. He worked at it. It was already in him the whole time to do something. He just had to do something with it. You have three options with what you've been given. Okay, I told you there were subpoints. Let me give you three quick things. Three options with what you have been given. First thing you can do is waste it. You can spend your life in sin. You can spend your life running away from what God has given you. You can say, okay, God, I know you've put it in me to reach people. I know you've put leadership in me. You've put gifts and talents to lead worship or for technology or to work with kids or to be personable and teach a life group, to be on the mission field, just to be nice to people at Walmart. You have put something in me, but I'm going to run from it. I'm going to waste this. Or you spend your time doing things that, that don't add value to your life. The second thing you can do is you can spend it. You can spend it on things that, that don't add up, that, that are just wasteful in your life. Trading what you have maybe for selfish reasons. I'm going to use this gift that I've been given for me. I'm going to make bank. I'm going to make money. I'm going to do all this stuff for me. I'm going to do this so I can get that. I'm looking for immediate satisfaction. I want to do things that, that get a dopamine rush. I'm going to do things that help me. Or you can do it God's way, and that's invest it. You can invest it. You can love people. You can take chances. You can grow. You can get better. You can take these gifts that we've been given, these things that are inside of us, and say, you know what? How can I use this to help people? How can I use this to invest in the next generation? How can I use this to invest in my generation? How can I help the local church? How can I help an outreach downtown? How can I do things that are going to make a lasting, eternal impact for other people? The next thing, number two. We have to do something with it. So we have it inside of us. We understand. We can either waste it, uh, spend it, or invest it. Now we just have to do something with it. The worst thing that you can do with what you have been given, and for everybody it's different, but the worst thing you can do with whatever Jesus has given you, whatever the Holy Spirit has put in your heart, is nothing. It's the worst thing you can do, is to sit on it, bury it. We have to do something with what we've been given. If we don't, God will give it to somebody else who will. Luke chapter 19, verse 40 says, but some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. They were, they were talking. They were, they were using their gifts, if you will. And Jesus said, I tell you, if they stay silent, the stones will cry out. Like if they hold their tongue, I will use something here. If you don't believe that God will use anything, he used a donkey, <laughs> He will use whatever it takes. And so if you're not willing, something else will be used. Why not let it be you that gets used? Let it be us. Before I was on staff here, which feels like a long time ago, uh, I, was, I was a journalist for a while. 
And uh, one of the things that I loved when I, when I was in journalism was I was always that guy who like dreamed big when it came to interviews. Like if there was uh, somebody, you know, I worked for a lot of local stuff, local newspaper, local magazine, things like that. But I always wanted to get interviews bigger than our city, bigger than the area that I covered. I wanted celebrities. Like I wanted big dogs. I wanted important people. And it was always like, no, there's, there's, just, there's no way we can get that interview. There's no way, you know, they have an agent. They got a PR person. We have to go through all these hoops to get that person. And my motto when I was a journalist was the worst thing they can say is no. I can request an interview. They're not going to put me in jail. <laughs> the worst thing they can say is, I'm sorry, we're not interested. The worst thing that I could have done is just sit on my hands and not have ever gone after it. And I, I didn't get them all, no, but I got a lot of them. I got a lot of, of names. I got some celebrities. It was a lot of fun for me. Wayne Gretzky, you guys have heard this, famously said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And so many of us, we have been given a gift and we're sitting on it. We're letting it sit beside us. We're waiting for it to do something magically. And God is saying, I am giving this to you. Go do something with it. Don't, don't sit on your hands. Just do something. The owner returns and he said, what, what did you do with what I gave you? Did, did you waste it? Did you spend it? Did you invest it? How are we living the life that God has given us? You may have no idea what the gifts are that you have been given. Seek after them. Find them. Do the research. Do the work to find those gifts that God has given you. But if nothing else, you have been given a life. You have been given influence with other people. You have a family. You have friends. You have coworkers. What are you doing with what you have right now? I want you to think of it this way and I want you to, in fact, I want everybody just to close your eyes for a second. Just every person around the room. 100% participation would be awesome right now. But just close your eyes for just a second. And I want you to think to yourself, if you had 30 days to live, that was it, one month. August 3rd, 2022, that was it. 30 days. What would you start doing and what would you stop doing? Because I think a lot of us, if we were being honest, there are things that we're doing in our life right now that we would give up just like that. I've only got 30 days left. I'm not wasting time. There are things that you would start doing that you've been putting off for a long time that you suddenly would get very serious about. Things that really matter. Start using the gifts that God has given us to make the most of our lives. You guys can open your eyes again. Because... It's that kind of seriousness that I think we need to bring into our lives from time to time. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. And I don't say that to, to sound creepy, scary. I don't want to use fear as a tool. But it is a fact. We're just not guaranteed. Listen, I, am, I'm a, I can be a big procrastinator sometimes. Like I said, I was in journalism. I'm used to deadlines, and sometimes I like the rush of a deadline. I work better sometimes when the clock's ticking. But there are some things that we just can't keep putting off because if we keep putting it off, it'll never happen, and we end up burying it instead of doing something with it. Everyone here has received a calling. Everyone here has gotten an SOS, a gift, something from God. What are you going to do with it? Number three. Don't bury it. Don't bury it. It's inside of you. You know you got to do something with it, but the thing that you're going to do with it better not be to bury it. 
Do not bury it. Verse 24 said, Then the man who received one bag of gold came, Master, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you hadn't sown, gathering where you haven't scattered. So I was afraid, and I hid your gold in the ground. Let me tell you this, church, this morning. Everything you need, everything that you need to change your family, to change your environment, students, to change your school, to change your workplace, to change your life, Jesus has already put inside of you. Everything. I think it's so easy for us sometimes to think that we have to get more, that I will do that whenever I get more blank, whenever I can have time to study more about the Bible, when I have time to study more about what God has when the kids go to school, when the kids graduate school, when summer gets here, well, when, when, when fall gets here and the kids go back to school, I'll have more, no. Everything you have is in you right now. Don't bury it. So why did this servant bury it? Two quick reasons. First, he had the wrong view of God. He had the wrong view of, in, in this case, his master. Verse 24 said that I knew you were a hard man. He obviously didn't have the, obviously he was given the one bag. He didn't have as close of a relationship with this master as the other two did. So his view of the master was a little off. And for a lot of us, sometimes we have a poor view of who God actually is. I love this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. This is a great quote. If the truth sets us free, then a lie can keep us bound. If the truth sets us free, then a lie can keep you bound. And for a lot of us, our view, our perception of God, our inaccurate view of who God is, is keeping us bound from everything that he has for us. A.W. Tozer said it this way, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And it's true because how you view God affects everything. It affects how you, affects how you worship it affects what you do with your life. It affects the community around you. Our view of God shapes this, and our view of God can be circumstantial. Listen, if, if you grew up in a good church, then you probably have a good view of God. You look at church as a safe place, a place where community can be, a place where you can learn the word, where you can grow and flourish. But listen, some of, some of you may not have grown up in a good church. Maybe you grew up in an abusive church, with people who abused power, with people who only wanted something from you but never wanted to invest back into you. Kevin taught a whole series in January about deconstruction. It is a massive thing right now, and a lot of that comes from an inaccurate view of who God is based on our circumstances. We look at God through the lens of a bad experience with church. For some of you, we just celebrated Father's Day a few, years, a few weeks ago. And for some, some of you, we talk about God as a father, and if you had a good relationship with your father or family, then you can sing good, good father, and it means something. But if you did not have a good relationship with your father, or he wasn't present, or he, maybe he was abusive to you, or verbally abusive, or the list goes on and on, then it may be hard for you to relate to God as a good father. You look at God and go, okay, they keep talking about him being a father, but I, my dad, no. I don't know what a good father is. I don't know how to receive that. So can I encourage you this morning? If God wanted you to bury it, he would have given you a shovel. 
Like if God wanted you to bury these things, bury the gifts for you, why would he have even given it to you in the first place? We live in a culture that buries things when they're dead, but what is inside of you is alive and well. Jesus, what he's given you, the gift inside of you, it is alive, it is ready to explode, it is ready to be used to impact the people around you. The second reason he buried it was that he was afraid. He was terrified. Verse 25, so I was afraid. I didn't know what you were going to do to me, so I just hit it and buried it in the ground. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Just because you fail doesn't make you a failure. This man was afraid of failing. He was afraid of losing the money. But it turns out this master, he really mainly only cared about the fact that he didn't do anything with it. I would have rather you have taken a chance, taken a risk, done something with it. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. Real faith comes with real risks. With big risks come big blessings. One of my favorite stories in the New Testament. You can find it in three of the Gospels, one of those being Matthew. There's a story about Jesus healing a paralyzed man. We hear about the miracles of Jesus. We, we think, okay, paralyzed man, okay. What sets this story apart is the friends of this paralyzed man. See, Jesus had just gotten done doing a bunch of miracles, casting out a demon-possessed boy. And he goes back to home base for them, and he's, he's teaching in a house. And Jesus had become a celebrity at this point. The place is packed. Like, there are people sitting on the dining room table, hanging off the stair rails, people poking in through the windows. I mean, just trying to hear what Jesus is trying to say place is just slammed. Crowd of people everywhere. And this paralyzed man and his friends get word that Jesus is there. So the friends grab the paralyzed man and they walk to the house. Can you imagine their discouragement when they get to the house and say, there's no way we can get in there. There's no room to walk. These people are not going to let us in. So they get creative. And they somehow climb this paralyzed dude up on top of the roof to lower him down to Jesus. Now, I'm very visual. I like to picture things in my head, and I like to picture things from a unique perspective. And I want you to think about the people inside the house. <laughs> like the Pharisees, these religious leaders who are listening to Jesus intently, they're trying to find anything they can to, to, to get him. The Bible says that they hadn't really yet vocalized their opposition for Jesus. They do during this story. Because as the Pharisees are listening, as people around him are listening, all of a sudden, like, like ceiling dust starts falling on their head. Like dust starts sprinkling down. They're like, what in the world is going on? And all of a sudden, hello. <laughs> like just a hole punches down. And they start lowering this dude down to Jesus. And Jesus, what does he say? He didn't say, hey, you did it. Go, go ahead and just be whole. Walk away. The first thing he does is says, hey, your sins are forgiven. Gives the man more than he expected. The Pharisees are looking at Jesus going, what? They look at each other. They don't even say anything to Jesus. And they say, who is this, who is this man who's blaspheming? Like, that's not. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, says, hey, is it easier to tell him his sins are forgiven or to prove it to you? Get up and walk. And the dude walks out of there. That's a big risk. I, I don't know what those four men and their paralyzed friend, what their exit strategy was if Jesus didn't heal them. <laughs> like, it was all gas, no brakes, baby. Like, we're all in to see this happen. 
to them, the risk was worth it. Big risk, big reward, big faith, big blessing. But even if they had failed, they failed falling forward. I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna take the risk. I'm gonna fall forward if it means falling closer to Jesus. Your failure can be a great mentor. It's easy, easy for us to be afraid of failing. It's easy for us to be paralyzed by the fear and not wanna take the risk, but failure can be a great mentor to us. Even if you fail, you can do one of two things. You can either let it be a coach or a referee. I love using this analogy because I think it, it fits beautifully with what failure can do in our lives. Because there's two different types of people. If you've ever played sports, okay, like we're in like the doldrums of sports right now. We're all waiting till August when we get football back, right? But on a, on a football field and a basketball court, you're not a baseball diamond. You've got a coach and you got a referee. The referee doesn't care if you're any good or not. Doesn't care if you succeed or fail. He's there to follow the book. He's there to follow the rule book. I'm gonna let you know if you failed or if you succeeded. If you screw up, you get punished. No teaching, no molding, no only discipline, nothing else. But a coach will do the same thing. He is adamant about following the rules because if you don't follow the rules, it hurts the team. So we want you to follow the rules. He'll let you know if you made a mistake, may even punish you for it, may sideline you, but his primary purpose is to make the team better. A good coach wants you to succeed even when you mess up. A coach will teach you, mold you, make you better. You can either let your failure and your fear be a referee in your life that just knocks you down gives you black and white, or you can let it be a coach in your life that actually makes you better. Do something with it. So this morning, all across the room, I'd love for you just to close your eyes one more time, bow your heads. We're gonna, worship team is gonna come up. We're gonna go back into one last song here in just a moment. But I wanna, I wanna challenge you a little bit this morning because I think for a lot of us, without realizing it, we become this third servant. We become this man who takes what God has given us and we think we've got time or we think that we're never gonna be good enough or we're afraid that we're gonna lose it. We're afraid we're gonna fail. We live in a, an Instagram society sometimes where we're looking at everybody else's stuff thinking they have it all together and we're judging their best days against our worst failures. But I wanna, I wanna challenge you this morning to take whatever it is that God has given you. First off, you gotta identify it, you gotta find it. It's already in you, you just gotta do some soul searching and find it. Ask people you're close to. Ask them, hey, is it in me? What do you see in me? Sometimes that can be the best way to identify what your gifting is, is by asking somebody. And we take that for granted, but you ask a close friend, a family member, hey, I'm trying, man. I don't know what my gifting is. I don't know where I'm strong. I don't know how it can be used for God. What do you see in me that maybe I don't see in myself? But after you've identified it, guys, you gotta do something with it. 
And listen, as much, I'm a, I'm a pastor through and through. I love the local church. I wish every person in this room, and maybe a lot of you are, serve your tails off for this local church. Seeing people come to know Jesus, investing, using the gifts that we've got. But it's not about the lowercase c church here. It's about the uppercase c church. It's about serving his will, his purpose. Reaching people in your community, your circle of influence. Saying, God, I'm gonna use whatever it is I've been given to reach somebody. I'm gonna use it for your glory. Because the truth is, just like in that parable, I really do believe there will be a moment that the master, that God himself will come and he will ask us, okay, two questions. Number one, do you believe in me? Awesome, you have a relationship with me. Number two, what did you do with what I gave you? Did you invest it? Did you multiply? Did you disciple? Or did you hide it away and bury it? So Jesus, right now in this room, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, God, I ask that you just take what we have. And if, if there are those of us in the room that, that can't see it yet, God, that you would just shine it so bright like a beacon in the night. Identify, help us identify what that is in our lives. Shine it bright so that we can see it like a city on a hill, like your word says. We wanna shine so we can see it, but then we wanna turn around and use it so other people can see it, God. Have your way in our lives, God. Give us the courage the confidence and the ability to do something with what we've been given. Erase any fear that we may have, any fear that may cause us to wanna to bury it. Stick it underground, leave it for dead. That you wanna return on your investment, you're investing on us, you gave something so that we could be here. Let us use it, God, in Jesus' name. You guys stand with us all across the room. We're gonna do one last worship song. I would encourage you, do not get in a hurry here. We're a little ahead of time today. And so don't, don't be in a hurry this morning. Take this moment to worship God. We've got prayer cards in the back, communion in the back if you'd like to do that as well. So take this opportunity, let's worship God together.